AM 630 The Word is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you will get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of our AM 630 The Word Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Marcus Burgos. Thank you and welcome once again to the Church of the Week program. Uh, My name is Marcus Burgos and I am your host and I'm here to talk about what's going on in the church today and I'm excited because we have for the first time uh, a pastor over the phone. We usually have pastors in-house where we're face-to-face but today we're going to go over the phone but before we do that, talking about long-distance relationships, uh, I wanted to share with you a little bit about something that has impacted my life and I think is becoming very important to me. Uh, in ministry, and that is the altar. In, in the book of Exodus chapter 20, we know Exodus chapter 20 because of the commandments and all the things that we should not do and how we should live. But right after that, Mo- God starts speaking to Moses and he says, build me an altar. He says, build it for me and build it out of earth. I'm talking about verse 24 of Exodus 20. Build it out of earth and build it for me and sacrifice to me. And I want to remind you that though church is important, I am, I'm a pastor and this program is, is geared towards putting churches on the spotlight and letting them know, letting everyone know that you should go to church. But beyond that, we are the altar. We are the ones that we are, we are worshipers. We are the ones that should be putting the, the sacrifice. We are the ones that should be putting in and, and investing in it. And God is looking for now, in this New Testament, uh, after, after Jesus' sacrifice, which was the ultimate altar and the ultimate sacrifice, he is now looking for us to live the, that life of holiness, to live that life that is seeking him, to live that life that we would be the altar, we would be the channel, we would be the door, that others would hear the good news, that others would be saved, that others could receive healing, and we would be that, that when they meet us, that when they come in front of us, their life would be impacted with the love, with the hope, with peace of God. And so I want to challenge you today. Be an altar. Be an altar because in Exodus chapter 20, verse 24, it says, make me an altar, make it out of earth. So it's not some, it's not some special onyx or diamond or some type of thing. It's out of you. Because by the way, when God made Adam, he made him out of the dust of the earth. So he's talking about us. Let's be the altar of the Lord. I want to jump right into the interview today because we have a, an exciting time, uh, a lot to talk about, and I'm here uh, in the studio with uh, my brother James. Uh, he is not the pastor, but he's important because he's here, and he's here with his girls and his wife, uh, his wife Erica and, and all the girls, and they're all waving, saying hi, uh, but they don't have microphones. But uh, we thank God for the family, but we are on the line with Pastor Joe. He is the pastor of of Blessed Hope Chapel. And uh, Pastor Joe, I want to welcome you to the Church of the Week program right here on AM 630 The Word. Welcome, Pastor Joe. Well, it's great to be here, bro. Appreciate being on with you guys. Tell me a little bit, Hello, Joe. Eric. Go on, bro. I'm sorry. Where, where are you right now, first of all? Tell us. I'm in Simi Valley, California, quite a ways away from you right now. Just a couple hours away. It's a little earlier over there than it is right here. Uh, but I want, I, want oh, to intru- yeah. I want to introduce the listener to you. Uh, I want them to know who you are, what's, what's in your heart, and, and why you are the way you are as we, as we get to know you. 
tell me a little bit. Are you a PK? What, what's your story? No, I have I have a few uh, PKs that belong to me, a few of my children, and now uh, get older. So now I've got a like five grandchildren. <laughs> wow. so, uh, but I wasn't a PK myself. I grew up as a uh, just a non-believer. I uh, was very rebellious toward the Lord, and I didn't have that that privilege of being brought up, you know, in a Christian household. I was what you might call a you know stoner, lived by the beach, not too far from the beach, forty minute drive or whatever, in the track that was called the stoner track very typical in some ways as far as you know sex drugs and rock and roll growing up in my teen years and and just learning you know more from the streets than anything i've learned from uh, the word of god i had you know great parents relatively speaking as, as far as them not knowing the lord they they you know had some kind of a moral compass at least and and but i was in rebellion and uh not even following the you know the house morals and what have you but uh i opened myself up to uh, you know, the Bible says rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Yeah. And that scripture means a lot to me since I, because of my testimony. Uh, I'll try to give you a, a, a longer version of my testimony on our, on our website and in one of the videos I put out called They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. That's probably our most popular, uh, film production is They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. A lot of people have seen that and Rock and Roll Sources of the New Age Revolution. But that's kind of how I ended up doing those types of things was a result of, uh, Basically going the wrong direction and learning the hard way. And I basically opened myself up to the world of the occult. And I got into things that many people wouldn't even think are occultic in today's world. I got into uh, books I was reading as a teenager, The Power of the Subconscious Mind, and another one called Psycho-Cybernetics, uh, Psycho one by Maxwell Maltz, one by Joseph Murphy, which were about programming your subconscious mind through visualization techniques and self-talk and things of that nature. And one of these books had a brain, just brain matter on the front. And, it, you know, I'm a young kid at the time. I think it's scientific. I pick up the book. I begin to visualize my success, start doing these meditations, uh, the, which are very much like a lot of Eastern meditations, the New Age movement, the new spirituality. As a result, I basically opened up a Pandora's box of demonic visitation. And I didn't understand it because I didn't believe in, you know, Satan, demons. I thought, oh, that's just ridiculous. That, that Christian worldview, and as a result of uh, getting into these practices, immediately almost, I began to go through states of uh, paralysis uh, with a humming sound. The one continuous note would, you know, just play through my head. Uh, I began to uh, get ideas about inventing musical instruments. I began to channel lyrics uh, profusely, proficiently writing songs that were way beyond my own vocabulary at the time, and I, and these songs would glorify evil, glorify Satan. Lyrics like treacherous meadows touched by the devil, burdened with calamity and subdued by disease, and just on and on and on. And these songs were very, very poetic, had stories to them. I didn't even understand the, the story arcs and what was going on until I read the songs afterwards. And my friends were fully blown away. At my music became very Eastern. Uh, I'm talking about like Far Eastern. Sound like I was playing an electric sitar. Uh, uh, lyrics like Little Miss, instead of Little Miss Muffet, it was Little Miss Medium. Can you awaken the dead masters of your sleep? I had no idea that mediums contacted entities called the Ascended Masters or anything. And I was just channeling all this stuff. And as this continued, uh, and my music, my, my, my songs were coming together and, you know, at a very rapid rate. And I was, uh, you know, beginning to really shred on the guitar, devoting all my time to that. I put myself up to that entire world, but, uh, it's a, it's a long story about cut to the chase. Uh, it got to the point where 
I'm having my covers pulled down. I'm turning sideways, you know, turning fully, you know, sideways in my bed, uh, afraid to open my eyes, my covers over my head as like a 16, 17 year old kid, uh, realizing, wow, why is my subconscious doing this? And why is my subconscious giving me all these devil lyrics, you know? And I'm thinking, well, that's going to be what's popular in the 80s. Uh, cause that was like around 1980 when that was happening. And sure enough, in the 1980s, that was a whole heavy metal movement where Satan introduced himself, uh, through a lot of really blatant lyrics to what became the most popular music at the time in America. And it's still one of those popular musics around the music scene around the world today. But not just that. I was, I had, you know, love songs, everything else. And, but very, very, you know, pushing a very, very, everything from reincarnation to, you know, contacting the spirit world and so forth. But as this is happening, and I'm having these more and more diabolical experiences, I realize, you know what, uh, a couple occasions, like once I'm rolling off my bed to get away from this torment, because it became very evil, and I just, I heard a very clear voice that just said, hold on, hold on. Not spooky, just very articulate. And then I stopped for a second, or started to try to stop for a second, and I kept rolling off the bed. I went to the mirror, and I, and I was I was crying. I remember just just holding my hair, I had very long hair, you know, the heavy metal or hard rock era. Mm-hmm. And I was just, you know, hard rock surfer kind of guy. And my hair was sticking up, you know, because I was wiping my eyes and my nose. And I'm saying, leave me alone, leave me alone. Because at that point, I recognized that I was in touch, wasn't in touch with some impersonal subconscious force. But I had opened myself up to actual entities because now, because at that point, I realized I'm in touch with an intelligent entity, a being. And now I can't explain away my evil lyrics by saying, hey, some subconscious force just happened in what's going to be popular in the world in the next decade or whatever. But I'm in touch with evil spirits. I wrote a song, talking voices in my head. Are they good or are they bad? Bad. They shake my bed to comfort me, but I see it uncomfortably. And I pitch humming or buzzing will never go. It only seems to want to grow. That was my worst song because I think that was the only one I wrote by myself. Mm-hmm. I was testing the spirits. I didn't know the Bible said test the spirits, but I knew intuitively that, hey, if there's a state, if there's evil, and, and this whole thing that I thought was a joke is real, that means there's a creator. That means there's a God. So the next time I went a paralysis experience with that humming sound, by the way, that humming sound, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin's most, the most popular song on FM radio ever, Stairway to Heaven. And Robert Plant said he wrote three quarters of the song of Led Zeppelin, three quarters of the song on the spot. One of the lyrics is, if your head is humming, it won't go in case you don't know, but Piper's calling you to join in. Wow. And I've got a lot of evidence, and I don't want to get too deep into that right yet, but I'll just say this is next time that happened to me, not knowing those things and not knowing what the Bible said, I cried out to God in my heart. I couldn't move my mouth or anything because I was in this state of paralysis, which, you know, millions of people have gone through, by the way. Not most, most people haven't gone through the humming part, but a lot of mystics have and a lot of people that you'd be surprised that are up there in the higher echelons of the entertainment world and so forth have undergone these experiences. I, I, I cried out to God in my heart and I said, only if this is good or only goodness and as I did that, it stopped immediately. I just repeated that a couple times, like didn't know how to pray, and it stopped. And I thought, what in the world? I could never get that experience to stop. In fact, I started to visualize eventually during that experience because I thought I, that's, you know, I broke on through with Jim Morrison saying to the other side. And then uh, a week or so later, maybe a week and a half, two, that experience happened again. I cried out to God more directly, realizing this is real, and delivered, bam, happened right there. You know, I totally, I, I, fell, I got on my knees, gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and haven't had that humming experience since by the grace of God. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Greek word means to be saved or delivered. 
And I realized, you know, Satan is real, yes. And I'll tell you my most insidious, but so is God. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. If God's force, he can be against us and we're more than conquerors through him who love us. But I'll just say this, my worst, one of my worst songs, as far as how evil it was, was called My Family or My Soul. And those, the lyrics, I'll just give you part of them. That was one of the first songs, that's probably the first full song I ever wrote, was I fought with, uh, I was falling forever deeper into the hole. I could not be free. The devil was grasping my soul. Uh, I'd hear my mother screaming and my sister screaming, my father dying and my brother crying. And at first I was troubled at the devil for the reason. And then the choice had dawned. It would be my soul or that of my family's to be treason. I could not win to be a devil or a demon. And so I'm facing this quandary in this song I'm writing. And keep in mind, at this time, I don't even believe the devil. These just lyrics are all coming to me. And I just, I just look at the, and then the last part of that song is, and there I lie at the final bottom, meaning the pit. And there I lie to say goodbye. And so I won, or maybe so, and so I left with my soul and began to rock and roll. And that song was basically about leaving my family in a place of torment for eternity so I could get my rock and roll fame. And, of course, if someone said, hey, would you really do that? I'd say, of course not, but I don't believe in the devil. It's just an anthem of how much I love rock music. But I was being played by the devil the whole time. And then when I came to Christ, the irony is, what you know, just think of how God works in our lives, you know, and takes that which is evil, that Satan needs for evil, and turns it for the good. Think of the Apostle Paul, who was having Christians killed. He ends up writing about half the New Testament books. That's right. In my life, uh, you, you were talking about the altar. <laughs> uh, I began to share, as you know, my testimony with what had happened to me long before I became a pastor. And I began being invited to churches. And uh, a church I was invited to wasn't far from, you know, where I lived with uh, my mom at the time. So I was a kid, basically. Uh, I think I was probably 19 at that time. And I did an altar call, speak of the altar, just people to call, call them up to, uh, you know, give their lives to the Lord. And, and uh, it was a small church, and a couple of old folks that were just visiting that church, the pastor told me after the service, they just started coming a couple of weeks ago, came up to give their lives to the Lord. But my mom also came up, and uh, she's still with me to this day. She's, you know, uh, living with my sister, but she's almost 90. Uh, but then she got saved. Um, my, my brother got saved. All three of my sisters got saved. All of us are, all, all, all seven of us. My dad just died, you know, a few months back last year. But all seven of us uh, are in the fellowship. He came kind of late in his life. But what Satan meant for evil, and writing a song about, uh, what, you know, my whole family burning so I could be a rock star, uh, Satan's lies. Uh, God turned that around, and they're all not just going to church. They're all in ministry. They're all very active. And that's what happened with the friends, my closest friends at the time. Uh, not one, not all at once, one by one, they came yeah. like dominoes over just the first few years of my conversion. So, you know, that's kind of my testimony in a nutshell. And then that's, that's a pretty robust, uh, testimony. But as you were, as you were talking, I'm writing here on my notes and you went back to mention it. My, my opening on the devotional was on altars. And as I'm hearing you, I'm, I'm hearing the other, the other altar. You know, you, you, an altar, a definition of an altar is, is, a, is a gateway. It's a door into the spiritual realm. And it's not always That's to right. God. There are altars, as, as you know, and That's as right. some of us know, there are altars dedicated to other, to other gods. You know, this whole thing for me started in, in 1 Kings chapter 18 with, with Elisha and, uh, uh, and he, and right. having that battle royale with, uh, with the, with the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And, and then he, and then he says, 
Okay, everyone, gather around, and he began to repair the altar. And that has been what God has been dealing with me about repairing the altar, that God would respond. That's and, great. Yeah. Real quick note on that. Uh, I was invited. I've been to Israel a number of times and, and spoken at churches there and at uh, the international pro-life event there. I spoke at as well. But uh, one time when I went there, I spoke at a number of churches, and I was speaking at a church on top of Mount Carmel mm. where that situation had happened with uh, Elijah, not the exact spot, but we're on top of Mount Carmel. And it was beautiful to see because uh, I had a salvation call to repentance, and a number of people came up, and uh, we got in a circle and prayed, you know, to turn to Christ, just a prayer of repentance, and, and cry out to, to just, you know, encourage them in Jesus. And, and uh, as I'm praying, I'm feeling teardrops, warm teardrops drip onto my hand and one of my hands. And uh, when the prayer was done, you know, it I saw the guy next to me, and he was a Muslim guy that just turned his life to Jesus. And the pastor came up to me and he said, "You know, uh, these are people they've been working on. You know, and one of the, the guy, one guy on my right side was a Jewish guy that got converted there. The other guy he said was a Muslim who just came to Jesus, and it was there on Mount Carmel. So wow. these were people that were coming to the true altar for, out of the darkness. So really cool that you started. You brought up uh, Elijah. You know, pastor. You know, pastor. One of the one of the things people use." or I would say even the enemy uses to try to keep keep people from making a decision. Even when they realize they need to make a decision, one of the things they do is that, well, I'm I'm too far gone. I'm I'm too bad. I, I've been yeah. I've been worshiping at this other altar and and there's you know there's no way that God is gonna love me. There's no way he's gonna take me back. I've been so bad to him. What would you say to a listener that is that is struggling with that today, and perhaps they're they're saying, you know, I know I need Jesus, but I'm I'm the worst type of unbeliever. I'm, yeah, I'm just but, horrible. Oh, what would you say? No, and I I praise the Lord, Brother Marcus, for that question. I didn't know that was coming. I'm glad you asked it because that was something that was very integral integral. So it's very perceptive that you even ask that in my own life because I'm thinking, uh, you know, God stopped both times. I cried out to God, and He stopped the experience. And so I realized he was a, more powerful than the enemy. But when it came to the gospel, and even reading, started, I just started devouring the scripture. And I was going through the scripture. The first time I probably cried for someone else in a long time, I think it was the gospel of John I was going through. I've seen what Jesus had done, but I was wondering, will he accept me? Because I didn't know any other Christians. I was the only Christian I knew at the time. And I'm wondering if the Lord accepted me. Uh, and that was part of my pilgrimage was, wow, I've been so bad. Just what you said. You know, I, have, I was, I was anti-Christ. I was writing songs like, your God is your myth, your myth is your God, and so forth, and glorifying the devil. So I thought, how would, would he accept me? And then when I continued to read through the scripture, and not go by experience, but by go, go by God's word and put his word above all things. Mm-hmm. One of the scriptures that really stuck out to me, Brother Marcus, was uh, John chapter 6, verse 37, when Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will not cast away. That's right. It was such a, I thought, wow. And I looked at his ministry. Every time people were, he came to him, he wouldn't cast away. Even a woman who had a demon-possessed child, and the disciples tried to push away. And then Jesus challenged her. She had to actually show she was desirous and push through. But she said, even the, the, the you know the dogs get the breads, you get the crumbs. And Jesus said he hadn't seen that kind of faith in Israel. And everyone he accepted that it would come to him. And uh, we only have so much time to come to him that there'll be a time when we knock and it's too late because. He's come back, you know, That's right. uh, and time's up. But right now, there's a, the day of grace, and we can't come to him. And he said, whoever, that term whoever has each and every one of our names on it, because the Bible says Jesus tasted death for everyone. 
The scripture is very clear that it's a propitiation of the payment, not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. And that word world right there, there doesn't just mean a narrow group of people like just the elect of God. That world right there is the same world that he gave his son for. A couple verses later, it goes on to state that the, the world loved darkness more than light. They hated the light and refused to come to the light. That's the world he gave himself for. It's propitiation not only for our sin, it says, but for the sins of the whole world. So they need to know whosoever, whole world. That's them. Takes a death for every person. That's them. And then one other point I'd make really quickly is the Apostle Paul. You know, he'd have some concerns whether he'd be accepted because he was having Christians killed. That's he right. was leading up the movement among the Sanhedrin to have Christians put to death. And the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus and revealed himself to him. And he said he wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. But he said the reason the Lord had saved him wasn't only because of his grace and his love for Paul. But when he saved him, he says, and I love this in First Timothy chapter 1, he saved him, he states, so that others could know who would believe on him later that they too would be accepted because he said he saved me, the worst or the chief of all sinners, so everybody else could know in the future when they came to Jesus that they too would be accepted. Then he goes on to say a few verses later in chapter 2 uh, that God wills that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth and that Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all. So the payment's been made. He loves the whole world. He sends the gospel out to all. He doesn't will that any would perish. All you have to do is do a 180 and say, you know what? I'm going to turn from these false altars that I've been putting my faith in, whatever it is, sex, drugs, rock and roll, false gods, demonism, the New Age movement, the occult, and turn and do a 180, and, which is repentance, metanoia, change of heart, a change of mind mm -hmm. regarding what sin is and, and who God is in your life, and turn to him and place your faith in Christ. And he will accept you because he's promised, as I said, whoever comes now will not cast away. And those arms are open, just like they were open for the prodigal son. Prodigal Amen. son thought, I might not be accepted. How do I know? He said, maybe my father will accept me as a servant. I can yeah. be a slave. He came back. His father ran to him, embraced him, did put him in his feet in wet cement. He put shoes on his feet, put a robe around him, and kissed his neck over and over again and said, my son was lost and he's found. He was dead, but he's alive. That's our father. If we return to him, we come to him in faith. He has open arms. Amen. I, I tell people, do what you can do and let God do what you can't do. You know, so just just come back. Just just say the prayer. Just uh, repent and watch God forgive the sin, cleanse you and tear down those altars and rebuild an altar to the Lord. And you're listening to AM 630, the word Church of the Week program. And today we're speaking with Pastor Joe. He is pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel. And Pastor Joe speaking to us from California. That's why it sounds a little bit, a little bit weird. Uh, and the accent a little bit, you know, the, the, the California. California. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it's all good. It's one gospel. It's one good news. And, uh, I want to transition a little bit because, uh, that's, that's a powerful testimony, a powerful word. And I'm sure someone's encouraged, but you guys are coming to Texas. You're here in Texas. Amen. amen. And so I want to introduce, uh, Brother James to talk to us a little bit of what's going on. In Texas, and also all of, a lot of the things that Pastor Joe was talking about, you have we have access to Absolutely. through the through the internet, and I have some some DVDs right here in the studio. Absolutely. Talk to me about that. Absolutely. So we have a number of uh, Blessed Hope Chapel home ministries that we have started most recently, uh, just last year in Texas, and other states as well are doing this as well. 
not everybody can go to, to Simi Valley and see Pastor Joe at uh, Blessed Hope Chapel, but we have started live stream groups in uh, Texas, and we have four of them, actually. We have San Antonio, Austin, Corpus Christi, and soon-to-be Frisco, okay. Texas. And I think we have others watching as well. So to all the listeners out there, if you're ever in any of those cities, if you want to watch online, you can go to blessedhopechapel.org. Each week they have testimonials, and, and they also have a, a lot of YouTube videos, okay. as well as uh, their partner ministry called Good Fight Ministries in cooperation with Blessed Hope Texas, which is blessedhopetexas.org, uh, not to be confused with blessedhopechapel.org. Uh, that, that's the national one, but right. the local one here in Texas that we would love to see everyone come and visit on the March 25th, 26th, and 27th. We have uh, Pastor Joe coming with uh, the whole Good Fight Ministries crew. Uh, and, and more information you can find at uh, blessedhopetexas.org. All right. And so, Pastor Jar, I want to thank you for being part of this interview today. Well, I appreciate you having me on, brother. And may the Lord encourage and draw people to him. Amen. So, James, one more time. Uh, when, are, when is the event here in Texas? The, in, in Texas, March 25th in San Antonio area, in Spring Branch at Hampton Inn Conference Center, in Corpus Christi on March 26th, and back again in North San Antonio on March 27th. And we can find all of this information at blessedhopetexas.org. Absolutely. God bless you, San Antonio. We're going to go back to building altars. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Thank you, uh, Brother James, for being part of the interview. God bless you, San Antonio. Thank you for joining us today as we featured our AM630 The Word Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you got a chance to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you'd like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at am630theword.com.